Tears have come flooding back. I put this song on repeat, just crying my eyes out. It made me feel so bloody alive. This song really nails a feeling of nostalgia for a place. And we'll just stop talking and just stare at the radio. It's part of the noble genre of songs by women about masturbation. I love it, I love that song so much. Out of the box. Meet people through their music with Ash Berdebez on FBI. What a lovely morning to stay inside and listen to Alex Pye on the radio and go nowhere near that rain. Uh, she's been keeping you company for the past three hours with good tunes back to back. And as always, you can see what she's played throughout those three dreary hours on the FBI radio website. Go there. Programs and playlists will open up right before your very eyes on the website and you can see what you've been listening to and uh, maybe maybe download it or something like that for your very own. Okay, so out, on Out of the Box today, I think I've kind of figured out how to put my guest, who is Matt Baker, into a sentence to introduce him. So Matt Baker is a bio-nanotechnologist with a penchant for the ancient gentlemanly sport of fencing and the ungentlemanly musical genre of dancehall. Welcome on Out of the Box, Matt. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yes, gentlemen, ungentlemen, all in one. That's what I'm trying for. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit of a, a bit of a motley trinity of things you've got going in your life there. I really like it. So I, I guess we should probably start by talking a bit about the music we'll be hearing throughout the hour on the radio today. So dance hall, dance halls, you everything. <laughs> yes. Well, so yeah, we're, we're opening with the dance hall and me everything. Uh, I think it, it really is. <laughs> It's definitely one of the most important things. I sometimes wish that the elements of my life intersected in more fruitful ways. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, there's no biathlon event that involves dancehall and fencing because I have a strong chance in that. But, um, uh, yeah, dancehall, I don't know. It, it came to me originally from Jungle. I noticed that Jungle had a lot of these vocals that are similar. The artists are from dancehall. And I was like, wow, what are these lyricists? And if you're familiar with Jamaican music, the output is just so high. You know, so you can't keep up. Yeah, it's yeah. so many new tunes, and and that's why like artists like the best, like Vibes Cartel, who's we're going to hear a little snippet of in a second, is 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 one of the best lyricists of our time, I feel. But also, he's produced so much that of course he's got some rubbish in there. Like <laughs> most 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 lyricists of that talent from other countries never have to produce as much as those guys. I think it's a good way of making music, though. Just try and like make so much that you bury the crap that you've made. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. You just get good in the long term. That's a, yeah, like Twitter, Twitter, same logic, you know? If, <laughs> if you say a few rogue things, it doesn't matter. Cause just, just tweet, 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 and then it's <laughs> yeah. all gone. Yeah. All right, well, then let's take that track that you are mentioning a second ago, Vibes, Cards, Hell. So uh, this one's called Dancehall, fittingly, perhaps. We'll be back in a second. You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. <laughs> Dance hall of me everything. Dance hall of me everything. Dance hall of me everything. Jungle is. Billy bones, mini bones, yeah. Every bad man and every dog, yeah. I agree to your boss, yeah. Fuck up the place for the rum, yeah. You look better than Beyonce. Call a prayer, me be everyone who that don't say. Me not the oxygen for your lungs, yeah. Make a boom boom speak in a drums, yeah. Dance, I'll 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 dance,
star of the band when you check, say. Me have a band, me bleaching cream, yeah. See me in a port more skin, yeah. I feel you have rum for the team, yeah. Tell everybody said you're free for come in, yeah. Dancehall, Ami, everything on your radio. Absolutely, yeah. Well, you know, Cartel is an interesting character. Like I said, lyrically prolific. He's he's obviously in jail now. For those familiar with it, uh, it's, a, it's a big court case, big big political situation in what Jamaica. Went down? Well, he he did indeed murder someone. Uh, he, was, he he got caught for it by texting, by sending a text message that was like chop chop him up fine fine. Basically, he lent a gun to someone who didn't turn it back, and then he arranged for him to be chopped up. And they never found the body. So it's a little bit of a horrific ending. And it's kind of interesting that that <laughs> text was actually a little bit almost lyrical. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit dark, definitely. I, I, people should focus on the earlier era of Cartel, like good or bad. He does have some amazing lyrics. One of my favorite being, Me better than Idi Amin, Bush plus Bin Laden. Them nam walk the road that we been treading. I always like that. Like, who rhymes Idi Amin with Bin Laden? And like, come, as a bad man tune, like nobody does that. So yeah, I, I love him for that. And other tunes as well. All right. Well, how does this bring us to Beanie Man? Because I, I feel like you know people are familiar with dancehall, whether they know they are or not. And this is probably a good a good example of that. Yeah. So who am I? Zim Zimmer. For those of you, you probably heard it on the dance floor. It was a top ten tune in the UK, ninety eight. Probably the best rhythm of all time, I reckon. Jeremy Harding, the producer on this. You, you may not know what the tune is, but you've almost certainly heard it. It's like one of those ones that gets trotted out at carnivals every year. I think we started with Cartel just because it's dancehall and everything, but Beanie Man is the self-pronounced king of the dancehall and is much less slack in most of his tunes. I mean, this tune is really just party tune. Sean Paul was on this rhythm as well. Otherwise known as Sean Paul. Yeah, Sean Paul, indeed. <laughs> we could have played him. That's probably the most well-known dancehall, but, but this tune, anywhere, anytime, I reckon. This, as I said to you in the email, this is what would get broadcast into space to let alien civilizations understand the power of dancehall. Zimzima, who got the keys to my bima? Who am I? The girls them sugar. How can I make love to a fella in a rush? Pass me the keys to my truck. Who am I? The girls them luck. And I and I, we make love to precious stuff. You a bubble can get red deep like a bucket. Drop your nigga, like your nigga, if you stitch it. Drop your axe like a cow, you wanna chop it. Drop your pick axe like a gun, you wanna dig it. It's like a riverside up on the bank, and you take it. It's like a bicycle, so you hold it and that it. So you watch it, so you crash it, so you tell you, say you crab it. Girl, she a beg you wanna ball, take it, stop it. Batman plug in, and me a move like a electric. It's like a basketball, she take time out, she bam it. We listen to me silent, we listen to me lyrics. I mean, Man, they are me a drop it. I said, Sim Sima, who got the keys to my bima? Who am I? The girls them sugar. How can I make love to a fella in a rush? Pass me the keys to my trucks. Who am I? The girls them luck. And I and I we make love to press up. Anything she wants, I will give it unto she. I can't believe today my friend them tell me that she flee. I don't believe he's angry and I don't believe he's grief. I don't believe he's Susan or the other girls I read.
But that day you leave and you're gone, I know that girls, they show him crazy. I know the girls love some, all of them are on some, cause the one of them want this baby. I sold you once and I sold you twice, that I am the girls, them sugar. Now the girls them a talk me and the girls them a rust me because them a driving the beamer. All the girls them flavor, I'm, I'm no slaver. I am the helper, no helper. And a girl loves watcher, I want to know her. And listen when the DJ a say, Sim Sima, pass me the keys to my beamer. Oh my, the girls them sugar. How can I make love to a fella in a rush? Pass me the keys to my truck. Oh my, the girls them lock. And I and I will make love to crush us, Sim Sima. Who got the keys to my bima? Oh my, the girls them sugar. Yeah, so this is the first dancehall tune I ever heard, actually. It was bizarre. I was at a party in, uh, in Boston in, in like 2001, and someone wrote Zim Zimmer on the wall. And I was like, what's Zim Zimmer? And they're like, you know, who got the keys to my bimmer? And I was like, no, I don't know. And then a few years later, I heard that tune, and I was like, oh, my God, Zim Zimmer. <laughs> Who's got the keys to my bimmer? But yeah, it's always in my heart for that. <laughs> if someone told me the lyrics to a song at a party like that, I would probably not remember them until like many years later when I suddenly heard the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, yeah. good memory. All right, so... That was Beanie Man. And I think we should just go straight into our next track because all of the songs are kind of roughly linked together somehow. But um, who do we have next? It's a song called Mahalagyaska. Yeah, so this tune, you, people may have heard from the Borat soundtrack. It's kind of like <laughs> the, it's the, the, the Balkan tune that really blew up and made Balkan beats big on the global scale because basically it was Yugoslav diaspora to Berlin that then became big club music, which then became big in London and then ultimately here. You know, people like Balkan beats still. So when I, when, when I finally took Dancehall from just loving it at home to like actually doing it out was with a crew called Sensible Dancehall in the UK. We were putting on a couple of monthlies. We did a lot of shows and I was sort of the Balkan guy because I like Balkan music as well, but it is a little bit hard to go from Batman Dancehall to like Balkan beats. But I think... It happens. It works, yeah. Is Balkan music kind of a little bit gypsy vibing? Yeah, basically. So, so this this kind of music is 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 it's ultimately comes out of Germany, where you had like high level production and electronic production intersecting with like really phenomenal brass and wind players. So it's it's taking the music of the Balkans, but then it's got a little bit more bass production. So you'll hear it. This is the this is the Chantel remix of this tune, but it's got a lot more club weight in it. But but yeah, it is ultimately the the brass riffs of that we associate with gypsy music. And it's kind of heavy drinking music. <laughs> Thank you. 
getting a bit balking on your Thursday on FBI Radio 94.5. This show that you're listening to right now is Out of the Box. My name is Ash Berdebez and my guest on the show today is Matt Baker, who is a dancehall enthusiast, as you might have noticed from the first 15 minutes of this show, and also a kind of bio-nanotechnologist. And I, I think it might be worth mentioning what that actually is. Yes, yeah, so I spent most of my research career studying how bacteria swim. So ultimately there's a little propeller that rotates that is responsible for most bacteria swimming. It's kind of like a nanoscale submarine. And the motor that spins this propeller is pretty remarkable because it's a millionth the size of a grain of sand. It rotates five times faster than a Formula One machine. And ultimately it can change directions and navigate bacteria to where life's better. So from a technology perspective, it's pretty cool. That's hence the bio-nanotechnologist. But also just bacteria in general are, are quite cool. They, they double themselves really quickly, like in 20 minutes, and there's more, you know, more bacterial cells in your body than there are human cells, for example. So there's a lot of... Wait, what? Yeah, so... so... <laughs> Sorry, I feel like really unclean right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, the, that's where a lot of interesting research now is coming on the microbiome, these bacteria that uh, live in synergy with you and are sort of you have them almost immediately after birth. But there's so many different types of those and cells of those inside your body, mostly in your gut, that... um. Yeah, it's like kind of the, the front, one of the frontiers of the unknown in terms of unknown organisms. That's Not so, those ones, but microbiology generally is where we're discovering a lot of new stuff. That's so bizarre. So does, does bacteria support our lives then? Yeah, there are cases where there's certainly having a, a colony of, 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 you know, cheesily called good bacteria in your gut does prevent infections from other things. Yeah, you've seen the ads. Yeah, They exactly. have like really cute all those yogurt ads, white faces. All those all <laughs> slightly fake yogurt ads telling yeah. you to pay too much for your cult. Yeah, so there's, there's an element of truth under that. But yeah, you... you those bacteria benefit themselves by preventing other bacteria coming into your gut, and that's good for you. But, so uh, so the, the most useful analogy for this bacterial flagellar motor that you've been studying for how many years? Oh, well, I guess 10 years, yeah, at least. So I, I started off as a physicist here in Australia, and then I went to the UK where I learned the, the bacterial stuff. I was interested in these motors, but yeah, I mean, I think even at that time, most people, when I tell them I was studying it, they'd be like, geez, how can anyone study that? And you're like, oh, it's not just one person, at least 50 people in the world study this. <laughs> but, uh, still but to, pretty elite crew. Yeah, but still to be doing it 10 years later is surprising. It's actually a huge deal in Japan. So the plus side of, of this is I have been to Japan on result of this work, and there they have like conferences of 250 people presenting for a week all about the flagella motor because basically one or two big Japanese guys blew up in the field, and now they're the, like the, the dons of bacterial motility. Does that have much to do with the fact that, you know, the bacteria have these nanotechnology applications potentially? Well, I think it comes down to originally just, just people were wondering how these little things moved. So you were mentioning sperm before. So we always knew sperm swum because we didn't always know that, but as soon as you could <laughs> I just, see I just, I just love that. I was mentioning sperm before. That was totally off air. <laughs> you didn't miss it. You would definitely know if I was mentioning sperm, just randomly. <laughs> yes, yes, sure. That, she could have, could have linked that a bit better. But I guess most people are aware that sperm swim, and uh, for a long time they thought bacteria swam the same way. So that the sort of where it got interesting is they stuck bacteria down by their tails, and they noticed that instead of just waggling, like you can imagine if you stapled a sperm to a, a, the ground, it would just kind of waggle like a dolphin would because it, flap, <laughs> it flaps its tail, whereas a bacteria actually rotates a propeller. So when you staple its propeller to the ground, you see that the whole bacterium spins around. How does one staple something that is a millionth of a metre yeah. long? Well, there's a, that's a good question. There's a lot of surface chemistry that's involved in that. To be honest... The, with the, in the case of the flagella motor, we actually just we genetically engineer the propellers so they're a bit more sticky and then they just stick to glass. But people do a lot of different things. You make glass sticky in certain selective ways and you stick what you want where you want, basically. 
Okay. So I was wondering with bio-nanotechnology, um, you know, and looking at these these little guys, these little bacteria with these really super weirdly fast motors, what kind of applications might these have? And why why would we want to actually, you know, put some dollars behind it and sure, what well, kind of results might we see? That's a very timely question, <laughs> certainly, especially because the research funding results were out last week. So it's a little bit of a suicide watch around the workplace in a lot of academic uh, environments. Oh, yeah. But um, but yeah. So there is a lot of there are applications. So I currently work in the Victor Chang Kardec Research Institute, which is a heart research institute. So mm-hmm. a lot of people's first question is, what are you doing there? So we're there because they believe in in fundamental research. In the case of the flagellar motor, there's a lot of work done on infection. Antibiotic resistance is growing. So if you can disable one of the key sort of common elements of all bacteria, that's useful. But from my personal view, it's interesting because it's technologically interesting. And also because we want to understand, for me, how it arose. It's like one of the one of the most complicated machines around. Right now, we can build things smaller and smaller, but we we take big world approaches to building small things. So we like we build a house brick by brick. So we want to build a small house, we just get small bricks and we stack them up. But small machinery in biology works in a totally different way. It doesn't just assemble things brick by brick. It just throws all the bricks into a bag, shakes up the bag, and the machine self-assembles. What are the bricks? Are they little proteins? Little proteins, yeah. So self-assembly of, of complicated molecular machines that can outperform what we can engineer is one of the key components of natural technology. I guess it's probably why the intelligent design movement probably looks at something like bacteria and says, there's a god. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I, I've, I've been involved in sort of, you know, showing why the flagella mode is not a good case of intelligent design. I'm totally happy to let people believe what they want, but a lot of the intelligent design movement came in, came in and co-opted the flagella motor as proof of a creator. But we actually know enough about the flagella motor now that it's not a good case as proof, for proof of a creator because one of the cases is that, oh, if you take any element out, the machine doesn't function. So we know that that's not the case. And we also see sub-elements of this machine represented in other machines. So that means implies a common ancestor and commonality. It, it further shores up theories of evolution as opposed to a brilliant creator just went, boom, let's make a bacterial <laughs> Formula One. Wow, that's really heavy and really hard for me to picture. So the idea with intelligent design is people look at something and they say, we can't take away an element and it will still work. Is that the idea? So one of the, one of the early theories is is this notion called irreducible complexity which means that any part of the system on its own has no purpose and wouldn't work now that's that's effectively being completely demolished as a theory and get calling it a theory is a bit you know giving it too much credit really and so usually with intelligent design they then move the goalposts and change but in in, in the case of that particular theory as applied to the flagella motor it's false because the, the part that exports the propeller and builds the propeller, that's actually present in a whole other system called the type 3 secretion system, which has exactly the same structure and, and ultimately protein assembly. It's basically the same machine. Now, we don't have the full signed specifications of the flagella motor in that we understood exactly how the secretion system evolved and how the flagella motor evolved, but we're slowly getting there. So my point being that intelligent designers always focus on what we don't yet know, and say, oh, that's proof that it must be created, which, you know, you have to have a bit so of a, the a perspective in order to, to do yeah. that. But luckily, the flagella motor, we know so much now that it's, it's not the best case, so they've usually moved on to other things. I mean, it started <laughs> with the eye, and then we knew more about the eye, then it went to the motor, but now we know a lot about the motor. So they look for better systems that are less well understood, usually, to justify their logic. And apart from being a party pooper for, for Christian scientists, why is it kind of important for scientists like you to try and say, maybe intelligent design isn't a thing? Like, why, why, why practically would you need to actually point that out? Well, well, ultimately, it's about transparency, I think. So, you know, I'm not of the Dawkins type of atheist, which is like militant in Impressive, your face. Yeah. I don't care about your beliefs. Mm-hmm. That to me is, is actually harmful to the sort of agnostic cause because it alienates so many people. They're like, why don't you just let them believe it? 
But looking at what the intelligent design movement represents, so the Discovery Institute, which is like very well-funded institute in the U.S. that supports them, as well as Christ on Campus. These are well-funded organizations in the U.S. that are putting great lawyers and great marketing people together to produce this. So, for example, the campaign that explains uh, intelligent design is called Teach the Controversy. That's, that's a marketing dream. That's, that's, that's marketing poetry. It implies there's a controversy that you're not being taught. They're choosing to, to conceal information from you. There is no to, controversy. Yeah, everyone's you know? trying to silence the fact yeah. that there's an yeah. intelligent designer. So, some, so, yeah. so we do need as scientists to, to get up and, and you know, rationally and respectfully take that on and, and distribute the information because the problem is you, know, you can dismiss it and be like, oh, only stupid people believe in that, but that's, that's A, not the truth, <laughs> and B, it uh, it's, doesn't actually engage with it. But you've got to be careful because if you engage too much, you go loopy like Dawkins and then it's all <laughs> over. So you've got to have the right amount of engagement. Well, wow, I love how suddenly we've gone from having really strong dancehall and Balkan vibes to talking pretty hectic science. Yeah, sure. And Maybe we need to bring the vibes back. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's just put on some Adele. How about that? Absolutely. So this tune is the Heatwave refix of Adele. So I'm good friends with Gabriel Heatwave, and I think they're the people who really help dancehall reconnect with the younger non-Caribbean audience by just putting on banging parties and remixing tunes like this. Awesome. On Out of the Box, FBI 94.5, my guest today is Matt Baker. It's we have a fear. There's a fire starting in my heart, reaching a fever pitch and it's bringing me out the dark. Finally, I can see you crystal clear. Go ahead and sell me out in the alley or ship, See, I'll leave with every piece of you. Bounce a girl a girl can't chat to you girl Bounce a girl cause everything brand new girl Sell them a hot girl and them have them one place. Hot girl want them and lad lad a chase. Sell them a hot girl and she a girl in a them face. Sell them a hot girl and them pill and nana face. Sell them a hot girl and them a borrow falls here. Sell them a hot girl and people man them a share. Sell them a hot girl and man a done them career. Sell them a hot girl and them pill always see clear, but. But. Oh, 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 oh,
girl, I got out like a yoga. Bones, I got a girl, can't that to yoga. Bones, I got a everything brand new girl. Bones, I got a fire and a repeater show girl. Bones, I got a girl, not like a yoga. Bones, I got a girl, can't that to yoga. Bones, I got a big fire first brand new girl. Bones, I listening to FBI 94.5 and my guest today is Matt Baker and we've got a bit of a sound to play we need to maybe get yeah. a little bit of uh, a bit of context in a second so, so this is the sound actually of the flagella murder so what we've done is we've stuck a polystyrene bead of like one micron on it and then we're we're focusing on it with a laser and we can detect its position so we're detecting the vibration with the detector on that laser so it's like we have a microscopic microphone attached right next to the murder but of course, the laser we're doing, we're using to hear it, is actually also cooking the, the bacteria. So that's why it's getting like lower and lower. This has been sped up two times. There's a bit of a project with someone in France, a good friend of mine, Ashley Nord, and uh, yeah, it's, it's good fun. Wait, can I can I try and put this into my my layman's terms and see if I actually have the right idea? So the sound that we're hearing right now, which sounds a little bit like you know standing outside a club where dance halls playing, yeah, some might yeah. say, is actually the tiny tail with which bacteria swim. That's right, and it's just dying now. You can hear it struggling. It's getting woo, 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 getting lower and lower. So yeah, so I'm going to take this home and give it to my boyfriend, and he's going to make a song out of it. I'm sure this is oh, going to happen. Great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put me on the bill. <laughs> so, um, uh, but yeah, so to clarify, we have actually chopped the tail off, so it's a little stubby tail, not a full propeller, and then we've stuck that bead on the stubby propeller. Okay, so, so, so it is, it is the, the motor. The bead is sound, the microphone. Yeah, yeah, the bead is the microphone stuck very close to the motor that's driving the propeller. And how, how big would this bead be? So I think the bead is a micron bead, so that's a millionth of a metre. So like a thousandth the size of a grain of sand. So that's comparatively quite big because the motor is only 40 nanometres across, but a big bead is easier to see. How, do, <laughs> how, does, how does one make something so small? I actually don't know exactly how they make micron-sized beads, but a micron bead is actually not so small. You can make gold nanoparticles of 5 nanometers pretty easily. You just sort of mix solutions and they precipitate out. So in a similar way, I imagine. So bizarre. Okay, so you just heard a bacteria with a little little tail getting it around, dying. Yeah, that was his last moment. a laser. Yeah. That's pretty bleak. Let's have a moment. That's bleak, but at least he got some dancehall <laughs> tunes in before he went. Yeah. Well... How about we go on to our next track, which is by DJQ. What are your feelings about DJQ? Well, this music is, is basically garage, 4x4 garage, and it's, it is quintessentially English music. So I spent roughly 10 years working on the Flagella Motor in England, 
And uh, I don't know, I actually really like this tune. It's like, I think before I went, I'd heard Garage and I was like, oh, I don't know about this. But the infectious, infectious shuffle of the music does get to you. And I do love the sort of mono bar rhyming, but I just like this tune. This for me is one of the best Garage tunes around. Sound of Violence. <laughs> Both music and bacteria, which are infectious on your yeah, radio today. That's true. <laughs> Thanks, Matt Baker.
This is DJQ, The Sound of Violence, the 4x4 version. If you're obsessed with this track, you can also hear the two-step version, which is a slightly different shuffle step for your running man dancing moves. <laughs> so this is dance. This is garage. This is, this is garage, I okay. guess, yeah, technically. I think it's, it's called 4x4. It's somewhere in the, the genre blizzard of garage and uh, bass line. And before we listen to some dance hall, and now That's we're going right. to move on to some jungle. So I'm trying That's to figure right. out how they're all tied together because to me, they're all part of just this whole other kind of Caribbean dance yeah. world. Well, like a the, bit. the Caribbean is the link, really, and the UK is the other link. So obviously, there's a huge migration of, of Jamaicans in particular to the UK in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And so jungle comes out, out of hardcore breakbeat in the late 80s. But it's really defined by this one break, the Amen break, which is by the Winstons. It's a funk tune that's been... So they're like really old school. They're from the 50s? Oh, geez, it's a good question. I, yeah, I think it's the 60s. I think it's the 60s. Okay. So the drummer, Gregory, um, he, he died in 2006. And actually, at the end of his life, they were trying to crowdfund healthcare for him. So even though Gregory Coleman, that's it, even though the tune is probably one of the... Probably is the largest, the wide, most widely sampled tune of all time. I don't know, that's a strong claim, but it would have to be well up there. Uh, yeah, he died basically homeless and penniless, so a bit of a sad end to him, but his musical legacy lives on. So the, the tune I chose to showcase Jungle, I mean, not really showcase it, but I had to just pick a tune that was important to me. And probably the, one of the first tunes that really got me going is Call the Police, you know, tell them it's a case of emergency. It's a sound murderer tune. I think Remark had a version of it originally. But what I like about Jungle is, it's, it, for me, it's the spirit music for me. I don't know, it's like it's a Swedish poet MC friend of mine had a lyric once like... Um, how do you define groovy? I don't choose the music that moves me, it chooses me. Something like that. I, I pretty much butchered his lyrical intent there. But the point is, is with, uh, with Jungle, yeah, it just gets me moving. The other, you know, I can dance to any music, but Jungle is like solid. And this is one of the great tunes. It's, it's got the, the sort of 
toasting style of ragga MCs. That's why it's got the Jamaican accent and the lyrics over the top. But the rhythm, the syncopation of those drums and rim shots, that's the Amen break. And I'll like actually it. just play the Amen break. How about we do that so we can sure. kind of hear that's it in isolation? Call. That's a very good call. And um, so this this Amen break gets used in a whole lot of other genres now, you know, and people like Burial and stuff like that. All, yeah. of, all of this music, all this breakbeat Absolutely. music from and, way and back. And excitingly, a lot of like Deep House, like I found myself buying tunes that are called Deep House and I had to sort of check myself out. I was like, oh, what's going on? Do I need to, do I need to have an intervention? <laughs> <laughs> but I realized that, yeah, a lot of like deep house that I actually don't mind is like rechopped amen breaks now. So it's really widespread, yeah. Okay, here that is. Yeah. So here it comes. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. So it's sped up a bit and it's chopped. It's basically been absolutely chopped up if you listen to like ragajungleradio.com they basically just play it on loop and there's a great video I recommend everyone watches which is was a museum installation about the Amen break played on vinyl where it goes through the Winstons the history of it where it's gone and where it's going it's, it's really solid you can see that off the Wikipedia link for it so do you reckon that is actually the most sampled piece of music of all time? Well, I would, it would have to be really close like maybe Funky Drummer would be the only one like anywhere near as close as that I think it, I mean I I don't have the information on tap, <laughs> but I, I'm confident enough to say it would have to be a yeah. top like five. If not the sample, just as in like the inspiration for yeah. genres. So how about we just play Call of the Police by Sound Murderer and who is it? Uh, SK1. SK1. All right. Did you want to have any have any words about this before we play it? Oh, Is no, it evening I'm, I'm context? Ready. I'm ready yes, for already? it. Yeah, I'm ready for it. <laughs> I guess it was... Yeah, so well, one last thing. So Jungle, <laughs> Jungle became sort of drum and bass and it became that sort of merged into the dubstep which is kind of a bit repetitive and lost a lot of the vocals and the syncopation this was the first tune i heard that was was a modern tune so it's in the 2000s but it's a throwback to that really early jungle which has more vocals and more syncopation and more sort of jump up flavor
This has already been quite an education today, listening to this music. It's not something I usually hear. So, who are we listening to right now again? This is Sound Murder and SK1. Unfortunately, I don't know the vocalist on the Call the Police for me. It's a sound of emergency. I wish I did. It's, uh, it was a real sing-along tune in my youth, and uh, it still gets me in this, that sing-along. The perfect combination of dance floor, dance floor legs high, shuffling, <laughs> and sing-along, belting it out, which is, I think, where Jungle ultimately needs to take you. <laughs> awesome. Well, like, I, I usually am a bit of a queen of segues, but I don't know how to go from dance hall to talking about fencing, which is your other kind of area of expertise, I suppose. So when we talk about fencing, we're talking about, like, you know, the ancient gentlemanly art of fencing. There's been, like, you know, Romans were fencing and stuff, yeah. gymna- gymnasiums and stuff like that. So fencing's been around for ages. How did you get into it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't feel bad about that segue. I've probably been spending half my life trying to work out how to segue those two together. <laughs> so I haven't come up with a allow, allow me to mention that I also fence. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, well, how did I start? I mean, basically, I believe that all kids like playing with swords and uh, everyone's like, ho, 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 has a laugh when you say swords in that context. But like, you know, pirates, pirates are popular. Uh, kids like playing pirates. But then most of them are either good at another sport or never intersect with fencing. I was lucky enough that I moved here at an age when I could start fencing and I did that uh, in Sydney, basically, in Macquarie Uni, first of all. It was a bit weird, didn't really do much. But then eventually I found the Swords Club and my coach there, Vivian Watts, who took me through fencing. Since then, uh, you know, started winning stuff. And then you're like, hey, this is all right. It's pretty good. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you do better and better. And I was representing Australia for the last five or six years. Um, but fencing, I think it is a great sport. It's got a lot of strange people in it. I'll give you that. Like you get a lot of, I'd imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Dungeons and Dragons wannabe types, which is okay. You also get a lot of lawyers in it because I think there's something about that individual, competitive, ruthless, winner takes all mentality. It's like quite an individual sport. And there's so just I, the stabbiness as well. The stabbiness, the backstabbiness of lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just realized over time that internationally as well, lots of lawyers. But um, but yeah, at the high levels, I've definitely met some great, great people. You have to be a little bit nuts because you lose by small margins a lot. And so that's that's pretty mentally brutal on you. And and not many sports are as punishing on your concentration. You can lose concentration for 10 seconds and you can lose a whole deal. Tennis, you get resets, for example. Like you lose a point, but you get to go back and bounce the ball and be like game face. Which fencing happens very quickly and you can have lost the whole thing in 
Uh, no time. Or one. <laughs> so it takes a particular type of person, a type of um, intellect to well, fence properly. I think it requires someone psychologically resilient. Mm-hmm. It's, been, it's always hammed up as a, as, the, as physical chess. That's what we try and say to get like parents being like, I want, I want little Johnny to do fencing. <laughs> but I actually don't think you have to be that clever to fence. I think a lot of stupid fit people can do very well. And that sounds yeah. flippant. But the, the point is, is we overanalyze the cleverness. If, you're, if you know what you're good at and you can maximize you doing that and your opponent not and you're really fast, then you'll win a lot of fights. But you do need to be psychologically resilient. Like, oh my God, it's 14 all in the World Champs final. I've got to get the next hit. And people who don't have that resilience aren't going to get that hit, right? So fencing, you've got a sword and it's got a little ball on the end so you don't actually stab your opponent and kill them. Although that has happened in the past in various iterations. Yeah, yeah, it has happened quite recently as well. Like probably in the last three years, someone was killed in Poland. But there's three types of fencing, foil, epee, and saber. I fence epee. It's all electric now. So there's like a little button that completes a circuit on the end of my weapon, the epee. And when I hit my opponent, then a big light goes up. So in the 90s, they started experimenting with getting more people in fencing and they decided more lights was the key. So in <laughs> so that like e- lightsabers. Yeah, yeah. Just... So in that era, they had like your whole head lights up, the whole strip lights up, the whole room lights up. They realized it was Techno bit... fencing. Yeah. <laughs> they realized it was a bit silly, so they scaled it back a bit. But there's still quite a lot of lights. And now it's mm. wireless as well. Okay. Well, that sounds like much more modern than that kind of ancient gen- gentlemanly form that I was thinking. Because now I kind of like, when I picture fencing, I think of people kind of, you know, yelling out certain fancy words and having lots of different forms of etiquette that are kind of, you know, anciently siphoned into the sport that just kind of stick out weirdly now. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't be wrong. I and mean, then there's a lot of people who are possibly even in fencing just for the opportunity to shout on guard or like, you know, whatever, whatever those people like. But, I mean... I don't know. I think that's what I mean by there being some strange people. But yeah. it is a good sport. It keeps you moving. Totally. Um, and speaking yeah. of speaking of on guard as like a term, I actually try. I tried to figure out like why the word for fencing is fencing, and it's actually just from the French, you know, and the middle like English of um, defense, as in like to fence, like to defend something, to put a fence around something. It's oh, really? also from the same term. So like actually having a white picket fence and fencing is all from the same root. I didn't know that because fencing, like the. The international language of fencing is French, and, and so escrime is French for fencing, and in most other languages, it's some derivative of that. Mm. So when you tell non-English speakers fencing, it's a very strange word. Like Usually I do a little pantomime dance like a sword <laughs> fighter, and I say, you know, the, the white, all the guys wearing white, the swords, Olympics, and they like, eventually get it. So it's, it's an unusual word, but I'm glad to get the origin of that. Awesome. And it's an Olympic sport, isn't it? Yeah, so it was That's one of the first in 1896, but... And so fencing is very proud of that. But I like to remind people that poetry was also in the Olympics in like 1904. <laughs> and some other things. Kidding? Yeah, well, in the early days, they had like literature and sculpture and art. And it was all like a bit strange because it wasn't, it wasn't a very open competition. It was like a poem that was an ode to the Olympics, I think, one in 1908 or something. But yeah, yeah. So my point is, is being the first Olympic sport is no, no, necessarily no amazing thing. And also we should remember that a sport like wrestling, which was also one of the first sports, was actually axed from the next Olympics. So just because you're old and just because you're Olympic doesn't mean you're invincible. So we still have to do work at growing the sport globally. Actually, you mentioned um, poetry. That was an Olympic sport, but you also do a bit of poetry, don't you? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, so I did, I, I did a lot of spoken word in the past. I used to do like emceeing. I like freestyling. I, I, I do a lot of freestyling about science. Impromptu rhyming suits my skill set because I don't have to actually sit down and do work. I got a little bit sick of the old battle rapping because it becomes quite uh, like aggro and mm. seemed a little bit amphetamine not necessarily yeah. in terms of the drug consumption, but in terms of the vibe was just quite aggressive. Poetry was a little bit better, but on its worst, poetry is like someone just telling stuff that no one wants to hear. 
like oh my god i'm in such emotional pain it's like oh mate turn it up so at least at least you know with some of the more performance where act is more yeah. about entertainment and that's why i like it yeah that's the thing with spoken word it kind of i mean i've heard spoken word that's just being like oh my god this is the most amazing moving incredible thing i've ever heard i really must be part of the scene and then you get you get to a scene and it's kind of like oh this is all making me feel really weird and awkward and this is a little bit oh, some of it's really embarrassing and some of it's really like um pretending to be something that it's not as well but yeah. um, so you have like a more sciencey bent to yours, which is well, very much do, you. Yeah. So I guess ultimately I was doing the spoken word independently of it, and my 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 biggest piece was 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 Dirty Donna. It was like a poem about food poisoning, but it was actually originally a poem about infidelity. Like I cheated on my Dirty Donna with a Zinger burger, so it's like a metaphor for infidelity. But I but basically I got back into it through science and science communication and doing the poetry. So I performed this Dirty Donna in the UK at like a bunch of things. It'd be but, really um, weird for me to ask you to do that now. Or well, I probably can't kind of, do it. I can yeah. do the opening. It's like dirty, dirty. Dirty Donna, little bit of meat upon a pit of bread. I wanna, I wanna, and then it goes on and on. And then the zinger catches me cheating and stuff. Yeah, but it's, I, I would, I probably need to brush it up before I unleash it on the radio. Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, how about we just seg very gracefully into our next track, which is by someone called Chris Martin, not from Coldplay. Yeah. Um, the song's called "I'm a Big Deal." And in what situation might you listen to a song? Well, about I, this? I, I felt we had to play this because I'd, I'd sort of inadvertently dropped dancehall right in the slackness, talking about vibes cartels incarceration. The truth is, a lot of dancehall is extremely uplifting and positive, and this tune is one of the best examples of it. "I'm a Big Deal" for me, this is a classic job interview tune. I had a job interview last w- couple of weeks ago, and I didn't get it, and I realised I hadn't listened to "I'm a Big Deal" before. The whole tune is basically "I'm a Big Deal." You'll hear the opening lyrics, but it's really it's not about just like oh how good am I, as Chris himself says. This has nothing to do with money or fame or vanity. This tune is all about self-worth. So I'll let Chris take it away with the rest of those lyrics. Smart it. I'm telling you, but I still love myself. I mean, value yourself, think highly of yourself. You're very important. Hashtag, I'm a big deal. I'm a friend, I'm a big deal Yeah, we're kind of important For real Oh yeah, I'm a big deal And my friends are some big deals Very, very, very important For real This has nothing to do with money or fame or vanity This one is all about self-worth so big up your chest and stand proud and don't matter about nobody, no man, no more than no man upon this earth. So whether you walk or you a drive car, I tell if you're white or black like that, me feel good in yourself, you star. Push up on one and tell all the haters, I'm a big deal. You're my friend, I'm a big deal. I'm if you tell you, yeah, we're kind of important. Okay. For real. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a big deal. My friends are some big deals. Okay. Very, very, very important. Poor very. For real. It's like you have the Prime Minister. And then you have way. That are the other in a few weak country. Yes, that are the status of the hierarchy. Ask anybody about it. Four point out at the great point average. And we never cheat or copy if you get it. You know you have your dreams and nobody can stop it. Just walk out, but some blank can say I'm a big deal. Very big deal. I'm a friend, I'm a big deal. Okay, now. Yeah, we're kinda important. Very. For real. Oh, yeah, I'm a big deal. And my friends are some big deals. Very big deal. Very, very, very important. Very now. 
money or fame or vanity. This one is all about self-worth. So big up your chest and stand proud and don't matter about nobody. No man no more than no man from this earth. So whether you walk or you a drive car. So if you're white or black like that. No feel good in yourself, you star. Push up on one and tell all the haters. I'm a big deal. You're my friend, I'm a big deal. Yeah, we're kind of important. For real. Oh, yeah, I'm a big deal. And my friends are some big deals. Very, very, very important. For real. Such positivity. Such da- so dance hall positivity is that? Yeah, what that was? absolutely. Yeah, I'm ready to go back to work. I'm feeling I'm feeling the big deal. As he also says that I'm very, 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 very important for varies. So he's quantified that he's four varies important, and as as are all listeners today, each one of you is four very. Okay, so where can people find more of what they've heard throughout the hour? Well, I've got a show on Bondi Beach Radio from 10 a.m. till midday on Saturdays. So uh, keep it locked at every other part of the day, but for that yeah, part of the day, yeah, you may tune exactly, in. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know everyone's listening to FBI, but occasionally you might be in the area of Bondi if you want to check it out. And you can obviously hit me up on Twitter at Fat Matt Baker. That's P-H-A-T-M-A-T-T-B-A-K-E-R. Okay, that is so that is so Hotmail. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly the origin of it is, yeah, it was. Really? It was my first email was Fat Matt Baker at Hotmail and then eventually I upgraded to Fat oh, Matt Baker at Gmail. I mean, at least you got a yeah. good one. My, I think my first Hotmail was Lil Nugget, but someone had already oh. taken Lil Nugget and so I had to misspell Nugget because I just couldn't change Nil what nugget. I wanted. So it was like Nil Nugget with two, Lil Nugget with two Gs and two Ts. So I think oh, um, Fat good. Mac Baker, you've done pretty well Well, there's a lot of yourself. Matt Bakers as well. As, yeah. uh, as we found out earlier with a quick Google, there's someone who was in jail for 69 years for killing... Someone. Oh yeah, and he was a he was a television personality. He was quite well known. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna have to do a lot of amazing things before I beat that guy on the Google, Google yeah, exactly. page rank. But uh, yeah, you I'm can, sure you can. You can check that out on on Bondi Beach Radio. I like to play dancehall, bashment, and a few other things. And I've got a few gigs coming up in the future. But stay locked, and I'll let you know. Hey, maybe even people can see you fencing. When's the next time they could probably spot you? Yeah, you can uh, see me if you spots. want to see me fencing on the 15th of November. It's the New South Wales Super 8 Cup. So it's an invitational for eight for the eight top fences in New South Wales. I'll be fencing at 12.30 at the Marrickville PCYC. So yeah, come down. We jokes to see anybody. If anybody comes in and says they heard me on the radio and that's why they're here, that'd be <laughs> amazing. So yeah, get yourself down. Oh, write it in the diary. So yeah, this has been a good hour of dancehall with bio-nanotechnologist, fencer, and dancehall enthusiast Matt Baker. Thanks, Thanks so much, much for, for having me, Ash. On. It's been great fun. And now we've got one final track for the hour, and it's yeah. Jim Jing Bong Ting. Well, it's actually it's Mr. Brown. It's a remix of the Marley tune Mr. Brown by Jing Bong Ting. So if you're going to go about remixing a Bob Marley tune, you've got to make sure you do a pretty good job because there's a lot of rubbish out there. A lot of <laughs> a lot of globally rubbish cover bands butchering Marley all throughout Southeast Asia and the rest of the world, no doubt. But uh, this is for me a top version of it. Jing Bong, they do a great. They're a great Bristol outfit. They're just basically dub legends. Takes a while to get in, but when you hear the weightiness of this bass, you're like, oh, these guys know what they're doing. So thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure and an education. Thank you.